0: I'm Colby Spencer, and this is Vantropolis. This is Vantropolis, a podcast about the happenings, the goings-on, and the general day-to-day life and antics of the underslept masses working in Vancouver's film industry. I'm no expert. I'm just nosy. And if you are too, let's do this. conversation with Nick Shell is kind of like going on a train ride. It rambles along the tracks, has a tendency to derail if not kept in check, and often flies by things faster than you can take them in. But there is always something interesting to see, and it's definitely a trip. Nick's film journey has been a similar experience. Through it all, he's learned that being too attached to the destination makes you fail to appreciate the journey along the way. As he starts his second win creatively as a commercial director in Vancouver, we discuss the merits of formal film school, working in-house for a big corporation versus slugging it out on your own, and how to figure out where you fit in a creative field such as film, where the path to career success can often be confusing. And if you don't know what White Chicks and Gang Signs is, this is the episode for you. Welcome. Hi. Hi. And I'm really excited to have you here because when I met you, like, a year ago. Yeah on a contract I was doing, which we'll get into all of that, I wanted to have a podcast
1: with you. Yeah.
0: And you had no time for me. You were no. in a career crisis with a wife and two children, and yeah. you were like, I don't have time for this shit, Cole."
1: I know. You've actually inspired me. I'm like, maybe I do want to have a podcast. But the problem, yeah, I, we can talk about podcasts as a whole other thing. Well, I think if we I was, are
0: in one right now. It's true. So. If I
1: was going to make a podcast, I thought the other day it would be called... Um, Bottom of the pile with Nick Schell. Because everybody's making podcasts. I just picture like it's going to be so hard and uh, this is bad, bad, bad. Thanks so much. <laughs> it's going to be so hard to get viewers just because there's so many podcasts now. And also the thing is there's so many famous people making podcasts, which just means that. It's I'm
0: relying out. on um, the egomania of the film industry to yeah. drive my podcast
1: yeah, listenership. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And also it doesn't really matter. Do what you want to do. and No, I'm doing it for me. Be authentic and people will, fall, will, will show up.
0: So I, we were talking about what to call you because you've sort of had a hybrid of roles. And, you know, we're going to get into all that, as we said. Yeah. But, you know, what what do we call Nick Shell? Are you a director now? You've had a bit of a metamorphosis. Yeah, I
1: think currently um, my drive right now in, in the mid term is commercial director.
0: Okay. Because, yeah, we were talking, you know, this podcast is obviously for everyone, not just the experts and the pros in the industry. And there's so much confusion about what all the titles are, right? Yeah. Like is a director just a Hollywood director? Well, no, anybody can direct anything. Yeah. From a 24-hour film contest to a commercial to a feature film, right? Yeah, exactly. It's not it's not one size fits all. So, mm-hmm. and that's the beauty of this city with thriving film industry. There's so much that you can carve out independently that isn't just the traditional route. Totally. So, let's get into that with you. Yeah. So you're an island boy. You're a Vancouver Island boy, like my husband.
1: Yes, I was bor- born and raised in Victoria, BC. Wow,
0: oh. it used to be so British, and now it's a lot more hipster.
1: It is a lot hipster. It's cool though. All of my friends who are still there are thriving and have cool businesses, and it's a it's a it was a cool place to grow up too.
0: So you grew up on the island, and you you know I know you know Little Nick wanted to make movies. Tell me about that. You know h- how soon? I always love to hear everyone's journey because I want to know how soon this kind of film bug bit. Yeah, growing
1: up, I I often joke that I was born with like a un, unwilling urge to create stuff. Like I I was always kind of by myself. I often would be, be in building stuff.
0: What do you mean unwilling?
1: Not w- unwilling. Uh, did I say unwilling? Yeah, I didn't mean that. I <laughs> meant
0: did. I did not want to be creative, but I had to.
1: Unrelenting. That's un- what it's okay. unrelenting urge of unrelenting uh, unstoppable creativity. Basically, I always had this urge to just I was just constantly making things, and if I saw something, I wouldn't. If I was like a movie or music or something, I'd go, I want to do that. I want to make that. How do I make that? And I'd start trying to figure out how they do it.
0: Ah, versus consuming it.
1: Yeah. So yeah, I used to, like I'd build sets in my basement. I never had a camera. And I had a really good friend. um, In grade four, I met this other friend who was very creative like me. And his parents were very creative. We had a good friendship because we both got excited about things. But then that friendship (laughs) changed in the sense that he always had more support from his parents on his creative things. So he, I'd be like, I kind of really just stop motion and be like, yeah. And the next week he would have a camera and he'd be doing it in his house. You know, Did he have
0: more money or his parents were just more in that world?
1: I think two things. One, I was a bit of a talker and I didn't have was <laughs> uh I was uh I think his parents were very his mom was an artist but he just they just had his mom was very supportive in the arts where my parents were very as well as well but I would not have the the get up and go to make it happen right and maybe so it would always, I basically became very jealous of him because anytime I was like, I want to do this, he'd do that. And I'd be like, fine. Well, I think this is cool. He'd be like, that is. And like looking back on it now, I'm like, oh, he was just trying to be friends with me. <laughs> so eventually, and I think I also hit puberty a little bit earlier than him. And we just ended up, uh, the friendship broke and I was kind of a dick about it. Are you um, still in friends with him? Sadly, no. I mean, I'm I know him, and I can we call
0: him right now? I'm just kidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I I uh, actually last time I he was in a he was in a few bands and stuff because we also did music too and like I was always been the music and his his dad always had cool guitars and stuff and he was in a band for a while.
0: So, so you're he, full, you were full creative from the beginning.
1: Yeah, like I always wanted to do music, and then this is the thing. So when I found computers, that changed the game because for me, as soon as I was able to go, oh, I can, I don't need to be. I don't need to have recording equipment and stuff to play piano. I can just program notes on a, on in a a music program and start writing melodies and instant gratification or yeah. Or I can start um, doing some animation and stuff. And like, so it's starting to be like, I don't need other things. And I was quite quick at learning computers. So for me, computers would just change the game so in high school I started like producing uh music for like local like uh rappers at my school I was writing electronic music and I was like making little films with on my like as in film and I can edit on the computer because that's when like um non-linear editing stuff started kind of becoming big like computers stuff so I obviously didn't have Avid but early forms of Premiere I'd be editing on and recording with that stuff so I was like, oh, I can make cool sketch. Like, instead of just editing in camera or mm-hmm. using, like, VHS tapes to edit, I, like, me and my friends were like, I was in high school when those started coming at a consumer level. See, they that were was, actually really good. That was
0: after me, so I wouldn't even have had a chance.
1: Yeah, and that's the, and the internet wasn't even really around 100% when I was in high school. So, But that was crazy to be like, hey, we can shoot something and then actually shoot it from different angles and actually edit it and put titles on it and mad music, and it's right. so, so cool. And my brother and his friends were making movies too. So I looked up to him and I was like, yeah, because I wanted to do it but then him and his friends were actually filming it and making cool things. Like, that looks so fun. And then in high school I was also doing a lot of musical theater but I never, because I was always very like showy and like expressive and goofy and stuff, my parents never really, when I did musical theater and I was in plays, it wasn't a big deal. They were like, yeah, of course, that's what Nick would do.
0: Yeah, that was me too. Loved yeah, the
1: like days. they just made sense. Um, so I never got, trying to get their approval on that stuff never really clicked. So I never pursued it Like comedy and entertaining and that kind of stuff. It never interested me because I wasn't getting any feedback from my parents on that. It was just like, oh, good job. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and I remember hearing Seth Rogen talk about he was like 16 in Vancouver doing stand-up. Like he couldn't even drink yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. But his parents
0: would take him and they totally were behind him. And so he had that avenue right in Vancouver. Totally, yeah. And he's like, people were way older than me, way off kid topic stuff. And then he would go up.
1: Totally, yeah. And I think that's the thing is that I think if someone told me then... In high school, hey, you like what you're doing? You like entertaining people and making people laugh? And writing weird jokes and making your friends laugh. There's a career path. Right. You go to Second City, or you go to the Groundlings, which I don't think might have not been around yet, or you go to um, Upright Citizens Brigade, and then you will eventually get to a point where you might get writing jobs or sketch comedy like Saturday Night Live or Mad TV. And you're that kind totally of right and because I'm,
0: you you don't know those things as a kid, and no. now you just go to the internet and type whatever I, you want. Man, if and someone if your tol- parents yeah. don't know, no,
1: you're screwed. Yeah. So if someone told me that in high school, I'd be like, oh, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm going to move to Toronto and join Second City and then maybe go to New York. But a lot of
0: people knew because their parents did it.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right, Their
0: parents were comedians or actors. Their parents were production, big wigs in LA, et cetera.
1: So then the big changing point. So I was basically like, I know that movies is where comedians and I can entertain people through making making people laugh with movies. So I was like, oh, that's interesting. So that's something I can pursue. But I also love the instant gratification of making music. And I was also, because I was able to write music with a computer and like record multiple tracks and stuff, I was, I was kind of above the pack also with editing and stuff. Like people were impressed by me at my age. Right. I was doing, I was quite uh, advanced for so the you stuff you score your own stuff. Exactly. I can make a short film and actually have my own song in it. And, you know, and I knew the limitations of a camcorder. So I'd shoot in black and white because I knew the color looked bad and that kind of stuff. So.
0: And it, if you think about that, even stock music wasn't what it is. Today, back then, oh, like no, where totally, would you get yeah. music? You'd have to rip something off, yeah, exactly, or find like an uncle that plays piano or something and get some yeah. god awful crap together thing.
1: Totally, yeah. So then I made um, in grade twelve, I made a short film and it won. Uh, we had like a film high school film festival and it won best picture and best viewers' choice award. Do you still and, have it? Yeah, it's super pretentious. I that film got one and then my parents were like oh my god it was like a big deal breakthrough that I I won this film festival like so I basically it made me feel like I was like oh maybe this is what I should be doing so I was, me and my friends from high school were like hey what do, they wanted to do something for the Fringe Festival and they're like you always joked about this idea you had for a musical about a circus and I'm like yeah and I had some silly songs I'd written and they're like let's just make it and I was like okay so the four of us when I was in grade 12 wrote it we put it on at the Fringe Festival and it was like
0: you're already doing film school in a way, but... Yeah,
1: so we put this show, and I, so I acted in it, and uh, we wrote all the songs and the book, and, and it was great. And for the Fringe show, it was it was like a Fringe show. It was basically, like, when I look back on it, it, was like, it looks like a bunch of, like, kindergartners in their socks performing a stupid show. But it was... Don't it, they
0: still look that way, Yeah, though? exactly.
1: Uh, in fact, our, like, costumes were just, like, we just stole stuff from the stuff from the high school, and, like, because we had connections with them. So. I feel
0: like Fringe is timeless, though. If you yeah. looked at something, you could... It could be 1972 or like 2021. Yeah, totally. Cuz it's got that artistic weirdness oh, yeah. to it, yeah.
1: right? But it was great and we got pretty good uh pretty good reviews except for I think the Alternative Magazine of Victoria is the uh can't remember what they're called. Is that Monday Magazine? Yeah, I think Monday Magazine cuz it comes out on Tuesday but it's called Monday Magazine. <laughs> but so no, they're, they're, they're like a really alternative magazine. and they they're good in terms of looking at like the culture stuff but they gave their review was um like something like more lowbrow than Adam Sandler. And the last, like lines like that. And the last line was, this show should have been kept among friends. <laughs> and we all thought that was hilarious. Um, but anyways, we put this on. It was great. And it was fun. And then um, we went to, I went to film school the next year.
0: To Vancouver film Vancouver,
1: school. Yeah. So I was like, A1. I asked my t- I asked people at school, hey, well, where should I go? What should I do if I want to do film? And they're like, well, there's a Vancouver film school. Because there really wasn't many that options.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask because Tony, my husband, who I yeah. did an episode with, went to a Dinky little one-off Victoria Film School, Victoria which is now out of business.
1: Yeah, my friend went there too. Was uh, that not an option? I didn't even know about it. Oh, okay. And I knew that Vancouver Film School was one of the better ones. And my parents had had, were smart and they had some money mm-hmm. put away for me to go to school.
0: So wanted to give you like a legit yeah. opportunity.
1: Yeah, so I was like, uh, okay, I'll go to Vancouver Film School. It's a no-brainer. So I, mo- I moved in 2001 to... 2002, Had you been over here
0: much before?
1: Well, my dad worked here. So he was, we had an apartment here. I didn't know if we had an apartment here yet. But my dad was over once a week. Okay. So I, and my cousin lives here. So we were over here all, all the time.
0: So tell me, I'm, I'm so curious about Vancouver Film School because I don't know anyone really amongst my circle of friends that went. You're like the first. And I feel like all the people that hear about Vancouver Film School, you go online and you can kind of see a general idea of what things cost and what you kind of get. But how do you decide what to take there? Like, is it sort of a general menu? Because when I went online a few days ago just to check it out, it just kind of looks like a little bit of everything. Is that kind of what it is? Yeah, I mean,
1: there's the film. I mean, there's all the different courses. Like, I know at the time there was like a film course, which is what I took. It's like film. Yes, okay. general film one-year course. Um, And they did, I think they did six of those a year, like six they'd start six classes a year. So every two months, they'd have another class coming in of 30 kids, 30 people. And then I know there's like all the video game stuff and that's where they make most of their money. And there's makeup. Makeup and the writing course. The writing course is actually really good. Okay. Everybody I know who's done the writing course has gone on to do writing and has progressed. It's
0: a very legitimate school here. Like, I only hear more or less really good things. I think the the challenge comes from coming out of school and what those expectations are and the reality.
1: Yeah. So my my personal experience with film school was, I was 21. Or 20 or 21? What is that? 2002. No, I was 20. Okay. So that's how old I was. Not
0: even legal in the States.
1: Not even legal in the States. So I went to, I went and I hadn't really moved, lived away from my parents. So you know, I was like... Partying a little bit, and I wasn't like crazy partying, but I met great friends there. Well,
0: that's the norm. That's pretty normal.
1: Yeah, but the guys I gravitated towards were a little bit more partying and they had a little bit of fun, um, and we made films and we were all serious about. It. I mean, the good thing about Vancouver Film School is that, or at least my class was that everybody there, other than like two people, were there, were participating. I know that I've heard other film schools and even other classes where you're like, "Why are you here?" Right. Which is so weird because these people just don't show up or don't finish their assignments. And you're like, all you're doing is making movies. Like- so you
0: know where I hear that from a lot because I have two friends that live in New York is NYU. Oh, I bet. Because it's a, it's so elite and yeah. people have parents that are in the industry and then they go, what do you want to do? And they don't need money. Yeah. Oh, I'll go to film school. So they send them to NYU.
1: That's really interesting. So it's
0: just a bunch of, you know, I don't want to see everyone yeah. there, but many entitled kids that yeah. are like, well, I'm in film well, school, but I don't really give a shit.
1: Yeah. I think- and I'm not
0: worried about a job.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that's what you get at VFS because you do get that at VFS because it's expensive. Um, And I think a lot of people are like – if you're rich and they have a lot of international students. I'm not – once again, this is my experience. Yeah, no, totally. This is your experience. I feel like they have a lot of international students. So if you're rich enough for your parents to pay the international price to come to this school –
0: because there are two rates.
1: Yeah, then you're probably rich enough that it's like, well, whatever, if this doesn't work out, What
0: whatever. is it? What do you know? I mean, I'm sure prices have changed. What's the general cost? When I, for- I went, it
1: was, I think it, for me, it was like $26,000.
0: Holy shit.
1: Yeah, for one year. Well, this was interesting. As you talked to someone like my, Vince, uh, who's my DP I use all the time, and I went to film Let's school.
0: Let's tell everyone what a DP is, Nick. A
1: director of photography. Yes, okay. So I met Vince at Vancouver Film School. So he, he taught, I believe, at UBC for a while. And he said it's so different because you get people who are, students who have worked their ass off to get into university so if they get into the film course they're serious about it right and it's a four-year course where they're actually like at
0: university yeah it's right. so a
1: universe so it's so different than a bunch of kids who are like one year commitment out. making stuff and the problem with a one-year program especially a film program is like they're like, here, this is a sound recorder, and they teach you how to use a sound recorder, which in theory sounds good. But the problem is by the time you graduate, no one's using that sound recorder right. anymore. And the same with the cameras and stuff. So learning how a camera works is not as important as using a camera. So my, if I did film school again, I think when I went, I didn't realize – I think I did good. In the sense that I came out with a short film, I had worked on other people's stuff, I figured out that I was really good at editing and better than a lot of other people, and that's maybe where I can get work Mm -hmm. coming out of it. So that to me was a good learning. I met a few people um, who are still, like, those connections have helped me 100%. Yeah, because a lot of it's that, is
0: networking too, right? Yeah.
1: So what I've known, if I was going to do film school, if someone, people always come to me. All, all the time, people
0: always people come to me. Just and like say, I'm Nick, walking
1: down the street, Nick, people come to me and they're like, I "Excuse make me, aren't out of my you?" Life. Yeah, no, but like my mom will be like, "Oh, so and so's son wants to do film. What should he do?" And I'll be like, uh.
0: "Everybody in film gets that." Yeah,
1: so then they go, they you know, I'll talk to them, and I'm always. This is my advice. I said, "What do you want to do? Do you want to direct film? Do you want to be a cinematographer, or do you want to be a writer? Like, do you want like if look at the heads of of the of the, of the departments? If any of those is what you want to do, and you know you want to do." Then that's a different conversation.
0: I think you should start a, a weekend intensive course, and it's called "What Do You Want to Do in Film?" <laughs> yeah, and it, really, all you have to do is bring somebody from each department up for about fifteen minutes, like a TED Talks They can do their slides. And I swear to God, by the end, most people would go, oh my God, I know there's two things there I would do.
1: Yeah, exactly. And nine,
0: I misread.
1: And I think this is the problem is a lot of the people who went to show up at film school go, I want to work in film. It looks exciting. So then they go and they learn how to do sound. They learn how to do this. They learn how to do all the different departments. They graduate film school and then they go do their actual career, which is not film at all.
0: Right. Oh. Or, or the other course could be, come join me for one shift on set. Yeah, yeah. And watch how many people say, I never want to do this again.
1: Well, this is what's so funny. is that it's
0: so hard.
1: Out of the 30 people I graduated film school with, I'd say four of them including myself, maybe four or five of them are actually working in film. And a lot of them, people I talk to after film school will be like, hey, what are you up to? And they're like, oh, I'm just PAing on sets. I'm like, in my head, I'm like, why did you spend that much money to go to film school if you're just going to be a PA on a set? Like you can do that for free. Yeah. And now what I would say is like, if you don't know what you want to do in film, just go work on film sets. And yeah. you'll work your way up. And if that's like, if all you want to do is be a part of the film industry, there is so much work yes. and you'll learn so much starting at the bottom and working your way up. And
0: you don't even, you know, it's insurmountable when you think, oh, I want to be on a TV show, but there's so much other work that's happening. That's nothing to do with that. Yeah. And it's like immense. No, but you know, right? Student yeah, projects, totally. independent projects, side projects, contests.
1: Long story short, I think it's easy, it's 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 probably cheaper. Whatever you need to do to get in there, it's probably cheaper than going to film school. And the, my point is, is that if you want to be a director, if you want to be a cinematographer, or whatever, it'd be way better to find a, sp- a course that focuses on that, or go f- to it like an art school where you're focusing on your craft versus learning the technical stuff. Because right. I think the technical stuff will always change. This is my perspective too, because I, as I said, I was already picking a lot of that stuff. I can pick that stuff up naturally. Mm-hmm. But also I feel like – also if you're going to do a film course, do a four-year program where you come up with a degree. Right. Versus a one-year program where you come up with a diploma. Because I came out of VFS and it's like, well, it's not – it's not helping me get – if I didn't continue film, it's not going to help me get anything else. Where if you go to like the SF – the Capilano one, which wasn't around, Mm -hmm. but that one is like –
0: That's booming now. It's a
1: four-year program and everybody I know from that is – doing stuff and they're tight alumni and they're yeah. meeting stuff so my advice is thus if you're going to go to a film school whatever film school you do know kind of what you want to do if you want to be a director go to a film school and or an art school or whatever and whatever courses you do do the work but you, if you're saying i'm going to this thing for a year or four years while you're there make a short film every weekend right make do yeah shoot. you
0: said there wasn't enough
1: doing just do because if making you, it'd be way better to graduate You're in a safe place. You make so many mistakes. You can show people, other get feedback for free from all of these people. There's free equipment. There's free stuff. If you graduate after four years of going to Capilano or after a year of going to VFS and you've done your 10,000 hours of your craft and you've made so many mistakes and you've made like 50, 60 short films, which sounds insane, but it like, it does, they're not going to be good, but it doesn't right. matter. You're not sending them to festivals. It
0: can be a weekend.
1: Yeah. That was my biggest flaw is that like I got to make a short film at VFS and I was like, they're not letting me shoot it in black and white. I'm an artist, blah, blah, blah. And I, what I should have done is just been like, great, I'm going to make this. And every week instead of going out and, and having a few beers with friends or whatever, I should have been making a short film because people who did do that, like my friend Vince, who's now a DP and stuff. He was, on the weekends, him and uh, his friend John, they worked together. They were making stuff all the time. And Vince was also, like, doing film work and stuff on the side. Well, and
0: that's a very good point because I think people think that you just go to school and then you just slide into a job at a studio on whatever show of the week in Vancouver and that's it. And it's like they have a fall from grace because they realize it doesn't work that way.
1: No, it's not. There's um, way
0: more hustle expected to earn your keep to get to that point. Yeah, and I'm not
1: realizing that until this point in my life. Yeah. And that's the thing is that uh, the – it's not, you're not a dentist. Like dent, most jobs have that path. You go, mm-hmm. you get your BA or whatever. Then you go to like lawyer school, whatever, law school, lawyer school. <laughs> lawyer school. You go to law school and then you work at a firm and you work your way up. But like film doesn't it's a, work it's like a,
0: that. It's a long tradition and a yeah. treaded path that doesn't change.
1: Yeah, no, totally. Right? I was just talking. And even
0: the laws barely change. No, totally. Or medicine. There's, yeah. you know, there's breakthroughs, yeah. but film is like nonstop. I mean, even the lights, Tony, my husband works in lighting. He's like, every season, there's like a new breakthrough on a a different kind of light. Like, you start feeling old if you don't keep up.
1: And at the end of the day, the industry, especially in Vancouver, and we can get to this, but the the Vancouver industry is less about originality, creative ideas, and more about it's an industry of of people who work on film sets.
0: Yeah, and I wonder, I mean, we can get into that now. Uh, As a side, I wonder if that's because it's never been known for that the way L.A. has been, or New York City.
1: Well, I think the big thing is uh, there's no money here right? Like yeah, you're right. the production companies are all in LA and Toronto and Toronto. Um, and that's just naturally how it's happened. I mean, I knew New York has its own thing as well, Yeah, but so the problem is is Vancouver, because we're a service industry, because people come here to shoot stuff and our crews work on it, a lot of the production companies here make all their money on service. So even if they get development grants or whatever, they're making their bread and butter on service. So they don't, there's no incentive to make, take a no. risk.
0: They're only coming here in many ways because of the tax breaks in the Canadian yeah. dollar. Yeah.
1: But even like production companies in town, like uh, Bright Light, for instance, there's a, like a lot of their work is a lot of they make a lot of their money on servicing other films that come in. So they're co-productions, which will right. come in and they'll basically hire the crew and manage the production. And they'll have scripts they're developing. But if you look at their slate, like how often those films actually get turned into something, I think a lot of that is just because it's hard to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Um,
0: yeah. How do you drive that original content here?
1: Mm-hmm with the film school thing is that yeah i didn't get as much out of it as i think i could have i think i wish that i had but i was also 20 right yeah where that's the thing vince vince was i think uh, almost 10 years older than me and he'd already had a career and he was going to film school to change careers so he got a lot out of vfs because he met people and he was using it and he was like that is the thing if you're going to do that use it
0: well and a lot of people say use that early time in all business to make mistakes yeah there's so much pressure to start like who are you at 19? You're like, I don't know. I haven't even lived by yeah. myself. Yeah. And you have to define your whole career and no pressure. It's like thousands of dollars yes. and yeah. maybe you have to live away from home. Yeah. And then I just feel like it's all too soon. And yeah. like as a mom myself, I feel like there's nothing wrong with gap years.
1: Yeah. I also don't think that I think, I mean, this is going to hold another session about parenting, but I think I'm learning that it's not, you sh- we shouldn't be asking our kids what they want to be when they go I agree. Up. We should be asking them, "What do you love doing?"
0: Yes. Yeah, and you like, said that to me before. Yeah. And, and also, it's an easy way to do that is make a list of what you hate. Yeah, it's quicker.
1: Yeah, and then also, like when my kids do activities, if they're doing, if my son's likes, I you know, I'll be like, "We'll put him in baseball." He's got baseball coming up. When baseball's done, I'm going to ask him, "Give me three things you liked about it and three things you didn't like about it." And I bet the things he I liked about it, he liked about it, are not what I think baseball yeah, I'm gonna is. I'm going to use that.
0: That's because awesome. Because then,
1: what's great about it is that you know, oh, okay. He likes running, wearing costumes, and... Um, seeing friends. Choo- seeing friends, which doesn't... That's not baseball. That's right. You know what I mean? But yeah. in the theory, there's parts of baseball he can enjoy. That's a so rave. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Long story short, my my son only goes to raves now. Um, we took him on of baseball. Yeah, he's, he's just a raves. huge raver. Um, <laughs> he doesn't even notice that he's not in baseball anymore. No, it's... Yeah, I mean, he's on a lot of drugs. Uh, <laughs> no, but th- that's the thing. So I think that's figure out what you like because that's what has happened to me is that I've for the longest time have pursued directing Mm -hmm. and that's still where I'm going but still I've realized I was always like comedy is too easy for me sketch comedy because I did a bunch of sketches after so after film school I went back to Victoria and I met up with the guys I went to the musical theater with and we kind of had this little production company we made and we just started making like sketches for YouTube. And we like that's when YouTube was just breaking. And we did the when Lonely Island made that uh, Lazy Sunday, we had our own little rap video that came out. We kind of posted them around the same time. We kind of leveraged the, that and we got it's like one point five million hits. Like When you
0: bring up a good point. Uh, With Lonely Island, for example, because YouTube combined with creativity, Mm -hmm. and what's their slogan? Broadcast yourself. Yeah. Like, you could literally, there's no obstacles to get your stuff out there. Yeah. Once YouTube came on the scene.
1: Yeah. I don't know if that's true now.
0: No, but I mean, then you can make something and you don't need a publicist. You don't need an agent. You don't need a director to look at it. You just go publish and just start getting hits. Like, people found success accidentally.
1: Totally. And this this is another character flaw that I've learned, is that I was so driven to being a director that I didn't realize that me and my friends were making sketch comedy that was doing really well and it didn't feel for me it was too easy and I was like this doesn't interest me because it's too easy I mean like, you, like, I just feel like we're fooling around and I didn't have give that validity to it even though these sketch people are literally coming up to me and being like hey I saw that sketch on YouTube Did you or see
0: success in the industry that you would look up to though like for example lonely island group which well is no what, when Sandberg? i saw lonely
1: island i was just like well these guys are just doing what we're doing and they're famous like why are they famous and right. then once again it's like i was too immature to realize oh well they also have been doing that for a long time and they kept doing it it's not instant gratification right, right? you can't just do something and it, i think this is the thing is that we would make a sketch we made like this like time for bed uh, we made it we posted it online and then overnight, we're like, whoa, this is all these hits. And then my friends were like, let's make more. This is awesome. Like drugs. This is what we want to do. We can be goofy and perform and write music. And, 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 and I mean, me, I'm like, well, this isn't feature films. Right. This isn't going to help me. So I was like, this isn't what I want to do. And this is leading me way away from what I want to do. And in my mind, it's was like, great, let's leverage this success to make short films and stuff. And they're like, oh, OK. So they'd help me with a few short films. And I made like. Uh, I made two or three short films that uh, went to festivals and stuff, but they were more like a little bit more serious, right? They were a little bit more whimsical because my comedy was still coming through, but I was still trying to be a serious filmmaker. So you're
0: almost like trying to be something that you thought
1: it should be. Yeah, because I don't really watch comedy. I think comedy would be something I would I would love to pursue, but I know... That that's five years of my life to see if I can be successful. Yeah, you don't want to half-ass. It. Yeah, exactly. So I'm like, so in okay. 2003, we all got together and we made this film called Pantomimus. And it was pure, unbridled, like just us making each other laugh. And it was so stupid. It was like, it was like ridiculous, ridiculous. And then we love it. And because of that, people resonated with it. So we we did it. We showed that and it did really well. And then we sent it out to festivals. and I got into... The music New York Musical Theater Festival?
0: Yes. So we CBC went, as well picked it up.
1: Yeah, I played on um, Zed TV, which was like a, a show that did shorts and stuff. On, I remember uh, it. Yeah. That's a throwback. Yeah. yeah. So we, we did that. And then so we did a bunch of stuff. And from that, that's when we started doing sketches. And then we did my two short films that went to some festivals. And it was great. So around the time I was doing Brad's Date, which was my second short film, I was kind of starting to have... So some of us kind of dissipated. We were called Very Tasteful. But most of us kind of separated and it ended up just being Bill kind of just kept it alive because he loved it he was like i can make stuff by myself with my computer i can write a stupid song silly song i can shoot a little fun video and i can put it up there and people are like flocking to it he had like one of his videos has three million hits. he has a song called white chicks and gang signs and people just like that's loved your it. friend yeah no yeah you know that's actually another okay. that one
0: white chicks and gang, gang, signs. gang signs good good good, good gang, gang signs, signs. yeah Shut up. Yeah. So I watched that with all my friends. If you have not seen White Chicks and Gang Signs, you need to go to YouTube right now and yeah. check it out.
1: Well, check out all of Very Tasteful. Stuff. His stuff's great. Very like, tasteful. He figured out how to make a living using youtube my
0: mind is blown still about the white chicks and gang signs. yeah and i
1: that's thought that was some head. person
0: in like america somewhere. no because
1: he is and that's the thing is that it was that leverage of writing a song and making a video he did it so well and he did a really good job and he kept very tasteful alive for a long time and then in the last few years he's because youtube the sketch comedy just wasn't doing well on youtube he was like well what else i've always been in kind of an internet in puppet so then now he does a kid's show called uh, pancake manor Awesome. Yeah, on YouTube, and he makes a living at it.
0: Right. Or he's just so, living off white chicks and gang signs. Maybe.
1: Yeah. So then I, me, and my wife moved to uh, where we a girlfriend at the time, but we moved to Vic- Vancouver because there so was. So you like, moved back. Yeah, because I was like, I was working at a documentary company, and uh, it was in Victoria. In Victoria, and that was fun because I was I was it was a producing intern, so it was cool to see how. So what did
0: you do as a producing intern? Because that's that I'm curious about that even, like working at a documentary company.
1: Yeah, like, so I learned basically a lot about how Canadian stuff gets made how it's all you know funding and all that kind of stuff and i edited some stuff and grants and, yeah and i just it kind of shows you how makeshift the Canadian industry is why, and, is and not it, in a bad why does it have way, to be
0: that I, way no, i don't i
1: think it's a good thing you do yeah because i think that it's all government funded and there's all of these things and it's it means that it's accessible
0: yeah, you that's I mean? true.
1: And it doesn't mean that it makes bad things. It just means that it's it's accessible. So, but he was making, like he was making, he was working on some Davis Suzuki series and mm-hmm. stuff. So he was making docs for that kind of stuff. And
0: yeah, because it had kind of has to have certain elements, certain Canadian content, right? Yeah, exactly. To Get the money. And, yeah,
1: exactly. And he so there was very very environmental and stuff. And I, it was fun working there. And it was a good place to work for a year. And, and I dipped my toe because that's the thing. After film school, I went to Victoria for three, four, five years. And I didn't work in the industry. I worked on Canada's Next Top Model as an editor. So I have fun. a funny... I just have to tell you yeah. this funny
0: story about Canada's Next Top Model. Because Tony was working in the industry on the island. Yeah. And they called him to say, we've got this amazing reality show. Do you want to work on it? And Tony was like, well, what is it? And they're like, oh, it's, it's about models. It's called Canada's Next Top Model. And he said... And he's like, I forgot what I had said. But people later told me that they'd heard what I'd said to this producer. Yeah. And he said... I'm sorry, that's against my religion. <laughs>
1: <laughs> exactly. And people are like,
0: you're the religion guy. Anyway, so
1: what was I funny about, that. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it was an interesting experience because it was... But
0: you take what you can get. That's like... Well, that's the thing. You and it need was the like, work.
1: For me, it was like, it was a big break. But it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, so after that, I moved to Vancouver. And uh, when I got here, I was like, well, I don't know what to do. Um, and I didn't really want a PA. I just felt like I could have... I've just made a bunch of short films and stuff. I want to continue to do that. Were you
0: intimidated at all by the city here and what how film and TV and stuff had
1: progressed? No. It's no? because I just haven't – I never had to do that. I had friends right. who were creative and we were able to make stuff. And that's all I wanted to do is just make things. Right? right. I finally figured out from when I was a kid, I had all these ideas. And I'm like, oh, these are – I can actually make things and do stuff. So when I moved to Vancouver, I was actually like I had some short films. I had some stuff that had done stuff. But instead of leveraging that stuff. Did you have a reel? No. Like, I mean, I could have put together one, but I just didn't look at, like, I didn't think of things like that. And I was still, because I was like writing music for shorts, I was editing shorts, I was directing my own shorts. I didn't really know what I was.
0: You're a bit ADD about it all, which isn't a bad thing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Then you
0: get a sense of all of it.
1: Yeah. It was basically, I just, just very creative and I was good with the tools so I could do stuff. So then a friend from film school, I was like, I basically spent the first, my wife got a job almost right away. And then I spent like the first month, <laughs> every day my wife would come home. She's like, what'd you do today? And I just got this new software that you can catalog DVDs or books and stuff. And I was like, oh, I scanned a couple DVDs. I went to the comic book store and I went to the candy store. And she's like, oh my God. Had she like, already
0: married? She'd married you by this Not moment? yet.
1: No, no. We were okay. still dating, but we were like pretty committed. But she was just like, oh You boy. were sealing
0: the deal. With yeah, sealing
1: the day. So I'd just be buying comic books and candy because I kind of knew that uh, I knew something was going to come up. And my friend, so my friend, I went to film school with John. He was friends with Vince and he was working um, at a corporation as in like an internal. I was like, what do you do? He's like, well, I edit. I edit basically trailers for their their movie service. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty awesome. He's like, yeah, it's amazing because it gets paid well. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'm kind of getting bored of it. I'm trying to move. I'm moving to Squamish. So I actually don't really want to do it anymore. He's like, you should totally come in here, though. There's tons of work here. So I was like, oh, OK. I started editing there. But pretty quickly... I was doing stuff that other editors were like, I was kind of pushing the bar um, for corporate video. <laughs> but, uh, and they're like, oh, well this guy's actually got some, you know, this is interesting. You're doing things that we haven't thought of. And I was like, well, it's just, you know, um, and I wasn't really, I just showed up, did my job and went home. Right. I wasn't really in it. And I was a contractor and I was there for four years. I was a contractor and uh, editing and stuff. And I started directing in some of their, some things I was like, hey, I really want to drag. This is like stuff I've done. They're like, oh, cool. Well, and then I got an opportunity to drag some things.
0: Because some, who would be directing those previously? They would hire someone? The producers,
1: someone. no, no. It was all of this stuff was, they weren't doing commercials or stuff yet. It, it was, was a bit,
0: it was still a bit rogue.
1: Yeah, it was, and the producers would, the productions got better and better and better. And uh, there was a producer there who was kind of pushing the bar. And then I was editing his stuff. And then he's really good at interviews and really good at, getting stuff out of people and really good at doc style stuff but that's more scripted commercially stuff he wasn't as good at and that's where i kind of came in so i kind of like co-directed stuff with him and kind of like and then one of the ones i just basically like can i just can you just give me directing credit and let me just direct this and he's like totally and we made the terry fox video that plays on the side of bc place awesome yeah and the, that, that was super fun and then there's like a, i was like that was great i want to direct more and then i eventually got a chance to direct a commercial there and then we started doing more commercials or more commercially level things and I just directed more and more. And then eventually I had a kid, my son was born and they were like, listen, we can't really, we're, you've been a contractor basically full time and it's been like four years. So you basically have to become an employee. If you want, you can basically become an employee or we probably can't hire you as much. Right. So I was like, well, my son's been born. This hopefully will let me do more directing, which is I'm kind of getting sick of editing anyways. So, uh, I took that job and then I was a producer director there for f- three years the great, the pros of it was I got to, I was working all the time, full-time job.
0: Healthy budgets in a corp.
1: Uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Right? You're not scrambling. Not every but you're not
0: scrambling out on the street, pounding the pavement for no. your next gig.
1: No. And it was a nice, comfortable corporate job. I had a corporate card. I had- uh, Benefits. Nine, working nine to five, like vacation. most days. Um, and then I got to like, for the first part of the job it was great. Like I'd literally be direct to client because the clients were like internal clients. So this team would want to make a video. We got to just pitch crazy ideas to these people and i was like um what if we did this and they're like hey that sounds fun and i was like sweet It's going to cost 30 grand. And they're like, I think we can probably find that. I'm like, sweet. I got, I did like a a little six minute short with like a Zoltar, like, you know, from Big. Yes. I did like a sketch with like a video with that. I got to do kind of, I started writing some comedic stuff. And so I got to have fun. You had
0: room to to go in there.
1: I'd say there were about five or six projects a year where I got to do some really fun. And all the other stuff was easy enough that it was just kind of like, oh, I just got to book the studio, book a DP. He comes in, films, we do an interview, I cut it together. Like it wasn't that hard.
0: Did you ever have a moment or moments when you were working in house, you would go out and do a shoot and you had a yearning and you realized you were on the other side of the fence?
1: Yes. Almost every time. Every time I'm on set, I go, I come home and I'm talking to my wife and she's like, you need to calm down. Because I'm like, I'm I'm just, I'm so jived and I'm really, that's me. That's what, like, because that... To me, uh, especially from a directing point of view, that's the creative – so, like, filming is the creative side of it, right? That's where you – that's your, where you're placed to – like, yes, you work with the editor and finish it there, and you work with the writer to get the script where it needs to be, but – It's go time. It's go time, and it's, like, it's working with actors and giving them notes and, and – and, and on the fly. Oh, it's just – that's the best part. Big and energy. it's so authentically me that when I'm there, it's, like, that's what I – so, anytime I did those, I was, like, this is great. And, but then eventually the brand got tighter and tighter and tighter where those fun ones weren't as available.
0: Yeah, they tighten the, tighten
1: yeah. the standards up, right? And then I wasn't able to... I was pitching stuff that was crazy and they're like, oh, we kind of want to do something a little bit more conservative. We're like, okay. So then I, was, I wasn't having, having fun doing... I wasn't being able to be creative there anymore. I was directing a f- bigger projects though. And I was like, okay, well, I was trying to find other work and maybe other full-time jobs because I had kids. I um, So for a long time, it was great. A long time, it was like full-time job. I got to make stuff for a living. I got to have fun while doing it. I got to beat my chops. Like the difference, my my last, I made a short film right at the beginning when I started there. And I'd say that was my first short film where all the other stuff I'd done were almost student films because they just weren't that good. Mm -hmm. And that was like, you know, seven years after we went to film school. So I was seven years of making stuff and doing stuff. And that was the first one where we're like, this actually looked quite professional. It's a shame that the story wasn't really authentically me and it just didn't land. Mm-hmm. When I was working at this corporation, it was just like, this is great. I'm getting paid to learn. And I was trying stuff and shooting stuff. And and I I, my, I just like, that's when I became a professional. It was basically when I got my 10,000 hours of just doing that.
0: Well, and it's so interesting because we were talking earlier before we started a I don't think people understand the the facets of film production in the city, right? No. There's the big TV movie, yeah. American director flies up the big blockbuster. Yeah. Then there's like advertising agencies, and yeah. they hire production companies to do commercials. Yeah,
1: but often even those those ad agencies are hiring their directors from out of town. Yes, and they the are. And the DPs from out of town. Yes,
0: true. Yeah, and then there's sort of this new kind of rise that I've noticed, even at the, this part of my career, of in-house creative studios. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a thing now. Yeah. And I know it's a thing with big blue chip brands in the States, but even in little old Vancouver, yeah. companies are trying it out. I've worked it too now. Like, I contracted where I met you, and the company before where I worked was an in-house creative studio. And yeah. for all intents and purposes, it had someone who could edit, write, yeah. direct, do graphics, like all of that stuff. You didn't even need to go and look for anybody else unless it was something really technical, like drone shooting on on a mountain or whatever. Totally. And like, talk to me about that because I feel like that's, you know, I know when I met you, just as an aside, when I met you at this corp, I just started, it was like a fresh contract for me. I was super excited. We met each other, like me coming in in the door and you leaving. Right. And I remember hearing your whole story and I was just like, well, why don't you go out and do that? And you're like, it's too late for me. And yeah. I remember you saying that. You're like, I've been here so long that I feel like I've lost that kind of street cred. And I just, it's too
1: late. I think what of the problem was is, uh, A, there's not actually that many head offices here. So yes. the internal production companies, there's only there's only a few of them in town. and But most of the work I'm finding from a producer-director point of view is if you want to make money is is in that corporate level where the budgets aren't big and it's normally doc doc style corporate videos there is a huge industry here because there are smaller production smaller um companies who are looking for that yeah and even the market most advertising that even when i was at this company most ads are still going to the agencies. the big hi- things hiring production companies out <clears throat> right. in toronto um, the stuff the that, six
0: figure stuff yeah
1: exactly but the stuff that the, the budgets that are like a hundred and under or even 30, if we can... It's, Which they
0: won't even look at.
1: No. And the agency will be like, well, why don't we just use the in-house company c- because we can just get it done and it looks good. And the production value is just... As, we're using the same people. I, That's I was, what's so I funny. was
0: astonished at how many... And it's not a slag on the company, but how many really good people with... Excellent backgrounds from news, documentary, doing yeah. stuff that won awards in Canada, yeah. the Gemini Awards. Yeah. We're working here. And I know yeah. it's a lifestyle. I th- I would say that's number one is probably it's a lifestyle. Yeah. For the benefits, the hours, you have a family. Yeah. Right? Like, we all know what it's like. I'm married to someone in film. It's a gong show of hours. Yeah. And but, I would I would argue, just as devil's advocate, there's only so many capabilities of that in-house world. Totally. Which is why it's, it's not for everyone. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. Right? And the thing is, I think the thing that frustrated me is that instead of spending... I mean, ultimately, I spent eight years there. Instead of spending eight years... Like, when I came to Vancouver, I was ahead of the pack in terms of people my age. But by the time I've left this job, I'm actually way behind. Right. And partly that's because I haven't been making stuff. But because I've been working there and dedicating my time to there and leaving there hasn't really given... It's like, instead of being... Spending eight years making commercials and right. starting from the bottom and having a, a real amazing commercials, I have eight years of their commercials.
0: And But keep in mind, like, that's also a sacrifice in other ways. Yeah, exactly. You're and away from I, home I no regra- all the yeah. time. No,
1: I have no regrets. Right?
0: 16 yeah. hours a day.
1: Yeah. But I think that was the thing when I started getting bitter about my job. Right. It, it was that, like... I've given me, I've given you this part of my life. Yeah. I've given you my talent here rather than being a freelancer. And
0: that's almost being mad at yourself.
1: Exactly. Right? And, and exactly. And at the end of the day, I have no, the company is fine. I it's like working for the, and I still, now that I'm a freelancer, I still work with them. So I can go work at Lemon. I can go work at one of these other companies that have one of these in-house Other in-house shops. But yeah. I'm not going to be happy. I'm just going to be doing the same stuff. And that's right. not what I want to be doing.
0: So you took the leap.
1: Yeah. And ultimately I want to direct feature films. I want to direct narrative. I want to make stuff where the content is the product rather than selling a product. So in the interim, I'm like, well, I can direct commercials um, because at least there I'm directing rather than doing more doc style corporate stuff. Um, So that's where I'm at now. But making that leap, I knew that I was going to eventually have to be freelance anyways. So I thought, well, why don't I just be, and then I'm like, well, what does that mean?
0: I know it's a bit scary, right? Yeah,
1: But then I thought, well, wait, if I leave, can I be freelance in this with the same company? Can I still do my job here? Can I still help them? And uh, I was like, is that, was that a thing? And they're like, yeah, that's a thing. So on the one hand, it's good because this transition has been really easy. Yes. And, uh, and I'm now have a lot of time, way more time than I did. And I'm still making, probably I'm netting out about the same amount of I money. I think
0: it's good. You took the risk. That's yeah. scary, you know, cause you're not, I'm not going to say you're old, but you're not yeah. young.
1: Yeah. And then, so the goal is to just really just meet all the producers in town, agency producers and the creatives and just get my name out there. And so that when commercials come up, they, they get me on.
0: So I would love well, just on that note, I would love to know a bit more about what a director does because I don't think everyone listening knows that necessarily. So what's that world like? Like now that you're doing it for yourself. Yeah. The way you want to, what what is that process like? Like what kind of from a phone yeah. call to set briefly, sure. yeah, can yeah, you yeah. just give a run through of that well, I, for
1: I can let's just talk just maybe commercials because it's sure. kind of um Yeah where I'm at. So commercials and I guess features in a way. So there's the 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 creatives kind of developed with the agency or in in feature films, it's the you know the producer develops a script with a writer, or right. and they develop a content. They bring on a director to basically take that idea and realize it. So the director's job is to make sure that all they're kind of the uh, leader of all the creative teams and bringing making sure that there's a clear vision. Uh, at the same time, there's input from the agency in a, in commercials. The agency, at the end of the day, owns the creative. So. As because a, if
0: because the agency has created the creator. yeah, and most
1: uh, commercials too, you end up like you shoot it with the crew, and then you might do the work with the editor to the first cut, but then at the end of the day, you're walking away; it's not yours anymore. Yeah, um, so you it, it's the agency, so you have to know. Um, and I think it's the same with like at a Hollywood level with features is like you're you're shooting depending work. on the
0: level of director. Yeah,
1: but you're I think you're making the feature you want to make, and the same with it, you're gonna make you're gonna shoot the content you want to make the commercial you want, and or feature you want. But at the same time, you also know that there's people paying for it and you have to make sure you're getting what they want Yes. so that you can show them those options and still know that their option might work, but you know, yours is going to work and you have a vision. So you kind of have to do both and you kind of have to make sure they're happy. So for me on set, it's all about what do I need to do to make them happy and make sure they're happy and get all their notes and make sure they're happy. But then also on top of that, it's I also know that I can elevate this by doing this, this, and this. So I got to make sure I'm getting those shots and I'm getting those performances. So what's
0: your prep though? So you get you get awarded the job, let's say. You see the script. You're like
1: – Yeah. So you do – do a treatment, yeah, right? No, treatment is key because the treatment is – I used to think it's like, ugh, just give me the job. But the treatment is so important because it helps you – also kind of put down on paper what you're thinking like, and agencies are normally um swamped so there's sometimes a the creative is not even that well developed
0: that's right it's pretty top line
1: yeah so the job is to realize that and you kind of put together treatment and, and you kind of just say this is the, the this is the kind of look we're going for these are the sets we're going for this is like the location we're thinking these are the actors we're thinking this is the style we're thinking i want to shoot it all handheld because of these reasons and it's just rationalizing for both them and yourself your creative decisions and i think that's um
0: making sure everyone's on board
1: yeah but yeah. And basically you're saying this is what I want to do. So if you get the job, it's good because you're saying, well, good. We're all agreeing. This you is like me. Do. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's more as you, this is what you're looking for. So yeah. if you get the job.
0: You're aligned though.
1: Yeah. It's great. Then you're most likely going to knock it out of the water because you've already told them what you're going to do. And then it's like, yeah, then you work with the costume person to figure out costumes and the agent he has input on that. And you work with the. You know, you so, you start working with all of the offshoot yeah, departments? You start, yeah. And then you work on a one on one basis. the producer kind of thing. brings on crews, and then you just work with the producer and you just you just start building it out. And then you do, all along the way, you're making sure everybody's on the same page. You have meetings where you're saying, This is what we're going to do. Production yeah, meetings. Production meetings. Exactly. These are the locations we're doing. Everybody happy with that? Good. You know, that's so on and so forth. And then on set, your job is to kind of like. I mean, I think there's some directors who are fully like, they come from camera. So they're like, I want.
0: They're very technical. Uh, a 50
1: millimeter lens right here and it's gonna dolly to right exactly here at this height. Cause they can they know that. Where me, I come from posts, so I I'm like, I know I want a close-up that's right here, and I know I want it to move it over here. And then the DP, the cinematographer will go, okay, well, what if we do like a medium shot here? And we'll do. I would like a, this lens. I'm like, oh, that looks great, and that lens. And then I, you know, and then it's they more collaborative. Yeah, exactly. Um, because that's but, not
0: necessarily your background.
1: Yeah, but because I'm a, I've come from editing. I know I don't need this shot or that shot. Right. I go okay. I only need this and this because I know that I won't use that other shot. And that's but I will biggest... get this just in case, or I'll shoot this a little bit longer because I know I'm going to cut it up.
0: Well, and that's the biggest thing I hear of complaints of new directors is like take 24, yeah. let's get everything. Because there's such a fear of like, once we've done this, we don't, there's not that confidence of yeah. like, we have enough, we can move on. Yeah,
1: I know that if, you, as long as you, I always say, as long as you, you've you turned the camera on some point during the day and got something, you can make something out of it. Right. So I'm not, I'm never worried about that.
0: Well, you can fatigue a crew that way.
1: Yeah, So totally. you might think
0: you, you can sleep well as the director, like, oh, I got a lot. And the oh, crew's totally, like, yeah. we hate you. Yeah. And then it's expensive because it's yeah. overtime, right? Well,
1: and the problem is always- you you're like good take one take two three three like oh i think we got it then you ask the agency and the agency's like can we do it again but this and then you're trying to make them happy so then you do six more takes yes and then the client might be sitting there and they're like i still don't understand this and you're like okay we'll do that but you know i think we got it in take two yeah but you got to make them happy yes. and that's part of the job um and i think that uh i have not worked in features yet but i believe that's also this thing too is you're making your film but you also got to know that the studios looking at your dailies and if they don't understand what you're doing, they're going to be like, "What are you doing?"
0: And explain dailies to everyone.
1: Oh, dailies is just like the stuff you shot the day before. It's so, all put together so that people can make sure that everybody's on track.
0: Is it put together in like a quick edit?
1: No, I think it's just like it's just back. It's literally just the reels. Oh, just okay.
0: Played. I don't know. They might know.
1: maybe take out the stops and starts, but um I don't really I don't know. Okay. But still, what's funny about working at this job is I still didn't meet that many people. Like I was still working with the guy I met, like the DP I used most of the time was a guy I met at film school. Now that I'm freelance, I'm like, I'm kind of starting at square one because I didn't really work in the film industry. I've always kind of worked by myself in my own little thing. Um, so now I'm just meeting people. And I've also, the good news is now where I'm at in my life, I realize it's all about the work. There's no one's going to give me opportunities. People can connect me with other people. But it's my job to make those relationships blossom and 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 do the work I need to do to get there, and that's all it is. And it's it's about and it's so much more of this industry, is it's way more. It's what they always say. It's who you know, m- way more than how good you are.
0: Well, I heard someone say um, I went to a scriptwriting thing years ago in L.A. and this woman behind me was from Malibu, and she was saying it's funny when you meet people in L.A. It's fine to network and and see what they can give you. That's like. A given. So yeah. when you talk to people, you're instantly like, "What do you do? Oh, you work there? Could you help me?" And it's like, a, a, yeah. it's a correlational thing. Whereas here, if you do that, people are almost like, "Back off!" Like, yeah. but in LA, that's like everyone's hustling. That that's expected. If you have an in and you can help someone and they can help you, everyone's trying to survive.
1: Well, I think right? yeah, I think the key also is helping everybody. Yes. Like, I think that's for me is so important too. Is that. Like if we all just help each, everybody just helps each other, it's all going to come back to you somehow.
0: Well, and I feel like there's enough. There's enough of, a, there's enough of every sort of budget yeah. that if you hustle enough, you're getting work. Yeah. But I do think the trick is hustling because a lot of people think they come out of school. Yeah. Who's going to hire me? I want a job right now. No one's going to hire you. And no one's doing side weekend projects. They think it's obscene and many will. They'll, they'll work their tail off all weekend and then go work their job. But many won't. And I've had those people come through my husband and ask for work and yeah. ask how it works. And he's like, you have to go to Indies and just, like, give your resume. And they're just, like, silent. He's like, you got to get out there. Yeah. Like, find out what's shooting on weekends. Like, go yeah. find non, uh, non-union non stuff. Like, yeah.
1: Yeah, I do think, freebies. Freebies I also are... Think, yeah. I think, like, directing is the only position in film I think that you you can't work your way up to it no
0: but you can direct your own stuff yeah so you're giving the freebies to yourself really I think
1: you can like you can edit a tv show for a long time and you might get an episode or edit like MOWs and might get a they might throw you one or you can AD actor uh actors do that a lot too or you can assistant direct but just because you're an assistant director no one's gonna go You're an assistant director. Here's a feature. You have to make that job for yourself. Like it's basically, if you look at films like a business, each film is its own business. So you have to basically put a business plan together um, as you as the CEO of that, the director would be like the, you know, the creative force behind that and package it with a producer and all that stuff. So I think you make your own opportunities in a position of directing or writing like those kind of fields. But but as a writer, you can also get on TV shows and stuff and be in uh, the room. But with cinematography of all the other fields, you can work your way up. Yes. You can start off as like, especially like. It's like a ladder. Yeah. You just start at the bottom and you work out on set and you work in this. And then you do a short film in a higher position, a few of those. And then for independent ones, and then you can be like, hey, get hired and stuff. At the end of the day, people are always looking for help and people are busy. So they'll phone somebody. They're not busy and be like, you know what? let's phone so-and-so. I worked with him. He might be able to do this job. And people are always more willing to throw you a bone.
0: And that's why I think just staying active in it all yeah. is what I'm getting from everyone that I meet is just staying active in it, doing lots and lots of stuff. You can't just yeah. show up on set and go home yeah. and expect that your whole career is going to flourish yeah. uh, the way you want it to if yeah. you're not really making those connections. Totally. So how are you liking it? How, what was your last shoot?
1: Last shoot? Well, I haven't done that. I still work most of my jobs coming from this, this company I was working for, which is great. And I'm, I'm so grateful for it. And it's fun. I should have do a one, an agency shoot and it was, it was great. Um, really enjoying that. Uh, I'm trying to, I a short film I'm trying to make this year, just pay for it out of pocket and then try to get funding for another one. So I almost had like a little bit of a carrot for people to help me on the phone for free. Cause I'll be like, well, I might get money for this other one, but the I'm other one. I'm
0: surprised how many people show up for free to help them. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And I think I have enough people I know who are like, yeah, let's just do it. To Especially that, if it's one or two days.
0: Well, and to that point, because my husband's volunteered on tons of them. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying this about those because yeah. some of them are fantastic, but I will say there's a lack of written content to make there's a lot of people that want to make stuff that yeah. i see and they're hauling crews together but they're taking whatever script they can find because yeah. there's just not enough stuff being written
1: yeah yeah, yeah. that's true um so writers out there well th-
0: start writing more shit
1: well this is what happened to me so i have this film i wrote and i want to make and i had this other film and the other one i wrote i was just like i was trying to get look for an art grant and in the process just like doing a treatment i was applying for the bc arts council or canada arts council they kind of make you like write out what your idea is and all that kind of stuff. And as I was doing that, I'm like, this idea isn't there yet. It's just, it it I couldn't sell it to them, which means that I'd, I'm i not confident enough. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put that one aside. It's not really my the voice I want to be trying pursuing right now. Anyways, so. Um, That's now, interesting
0: though that you you found that even by trying to sell it to somebody else. You're like, no.
1: Nah. Yeah, with this other one, I've gone through a few times. Like I was just working it because I was starting to do some, uh, plan the shots on it and stuff. And I was like. The script's good. Like I know it's ready and I think it's tight and I think if I can get it done, I think it's going to be a a great calling card film and a great film for festivals and a great film to be like because I'm finding more and more too a reel is great, but if if there's not buzz around you, it's hard to get in the door. If people aren't hearing your name and stuff, but if you're right. like winning, you know, winning at festivals or doing stuff, and then there's like there's momentum, or getting on
0: Vimeo, yeah, it's it's example. energy,
1: man. It's all about energy. It's like, all about
0: energy, man. Not energy. <laughs> you sound it? very Vancouver. I now. know.
1: I think setting yourself goals and finding a way to be happy in the journey, happy in the work, getting there, finding out how to make that work fun, then you'll always be happy.
0: Well, and that and that's what people asked about this podcast. They said, "What's your end game?" And I said, I honestly don't have one. Yeah. I don't need to make money on this. No. I'm not trying to be famous. Yeah. I literally have a curiosity and yeah. I like talking to people. And I live in a city where film is booming. Yeah. And why don't I just do it? Totally. So so when I told some people that, they were like, we've well, already succeeded. Yeah, just exactly. Go, just go do it now. Exactly. And the journey is the most enjoyable part, like coming and meeting you and coming yeah. together with people and hearing their stories. And I'm hoping it'll be valuable as well for everybody out there and totally. inspiring because like I've just said over and over in this podcast, like, there's not one way. Yeah. And like your point with dentists and doctors, like, it is a pretty treaded route. Yeah. You know how to get there. Totally. With film, you can get a break. And that's part of that magic that keeps you going, that yeah. something crazy can happen tomorrow. Totally. Somebody crazy can see your shit online and yeah. call you. Yeah. And your, le- and your world changes.
1: And this is the dilemma. I This is the mistake I made when I was younger, is I was too focused on being a film director. To not see that there's this whole opportunity that actually probably would have fulfilled me more um, with sketches and stuff if I pursued that and ended up leading wherever that led me. But uh, you're
0: young. It's hard, right? Yeah, I don't regret. Young. I, I,
1: I don't regret. I'm just saying like that's, that's – I think if you can be open to saying yes to opportunities that come your way, even if you don't see exactly how they fit into your goal – then you're going to be much happier because you're going to meet people and, and they see opportunities that lead to other opportunities that lead to other, other opportunities.
0: That's good advice. It re- That really is yeah. good advice because it's just saying yes, yeah. right? And trusting the universe a bit more. Yeah, oh, totally. Man, this totally. is so yeah. spiritual. Oh. Also
1: getting rid of your ego, man. Ego is so, that's one of the things that working at this corporation did for me in a good way, creatively, is that I don't own any of this stuff. Even if I wrote something I was really proud of, it's going to a bunch of people who are, or business people. Well,
0: and you also said, even when I was talking to you about your reel, you're like, I don't know if this is what I want my reel to be. Like maybe yeah. some of it. Yeah. But it's all I've done.
1: Yeah, exactly. For and like almost
0: a decade, right? Yeah.
1: But I think the main thing it taught me was that don't be precious. Like you're, especially on commercials and corporate stuff where you're working for a company, like where the product isn't the video, it's actually selling a product or selling an idea. You have to just, you got to figure out a way to, when they get feedback or whatever, they're going to tell you things that you totally disagree with. But your job is to creatively say, what is their problem with this? Are they right? You have to basically throw your ego out and be like, what is the problem they're having with this? And how do I creatively solve that problem to make them happy? And so there is still some ownership, but I swear getting rid of your ego, especially in film, because it's so collaborative. Through film and doing stuff and the last few years, I've realized, oh, if you hire people who are better than you, who are like, if you go for, don't, if you're like, I'm not that secure about cameras and shots, I could easily hire a DP that I could boss around. But what is that going to get me? That means basically I'm the DP and I'm not a good DP. That's why I hire. So I'd rather hire a DP who's really good, who can then lift me up and I can, who can challenge me. So if I'm like, hey, I want to do like a medium shot here and we're going to cut and we'll dolly over to a close up. And he goes, well, why don't we actually go like a little bit to the left because then we'll get the natural light and I'm like yes that's great or I'll be like no because I want to do it this way but if you surround yourself with people who are better than you and seek to be challenged then you're always gonna your products are everything's gonna be lifted and it's just you're gonna that's like that's what's great about film is it's collaborative and you can learn and grow and become better.
0: We- That's very good advice. And I also like what you touched on where you said, you know, everything doesn't have to be perfect. Like when you're creating some of the stuff. Because I have friends like pitching packages, waiting for that day. And I'm like, you just got to make shit. Yeah. And they're like, well, I don't have the money. I'm like, just scrape it together. Yeah. Beg, borrow and steal, a friend, a weekend, someone's office. I mean, the BBC office was filmed in a working office that no one was there on a Saturday. Yeah, Ricky Gervais said, the neighbors, you could hear people photocopying in the real offices next door. Yeah. But does that really matter at the end? Yeah. Is it not about the story? Yeah. And just doing it?
1: Yeah. Well, it's never going to be perfect.
0: No, but putting up that stuff is almost like, it opens a door yeah. of like, and that's why I love Vimeo and I love YouTube yeah. and all the shit now that you can just publish out yeah. into the world and totally. see what sticks. And sometimes things totally gain traction. And yeah. A lot of it doesn't, yeah. but whatever, right? Yeah.
1: I was going to say, yeah, no, there's no filmmaker out there who has like, they're in post-production on their billion dollar feature. And they're not like, you know what? I'm pretty happy with it right now. Like, obviously they have a deadline that they have to hit and they're going to keep working up until that deadline because they want to keep tweaking until it's perfect. When you're working with an agency, you're like the client's happy and the agency like, oh, we still want to, can we just do this version? Like so many times it's like, we do a cut, we send it to the agency. This is what's supposed to happen. Agency gives us notes. We do another cut. We send it to them and they go great. And we send it up to the client for the first, that's the first cut. But what will happen is we'll do a cut, we'll send it to the agency, the agency sends it back to us, we'll do, we'll change this, we'll send it back. And it just bounces between us I and the know. agency, agency, agency. And then it goes to the client, the client has completely different things. But that's because the agency's job is to make it perfect, like is to nitpick those things. And but it, as
0: an account person from advertising, yeah, I would worst. say the creatives can get down a funnel and mm-hmm. not come out. They've got the blinders on
1: and yeah. they're making
0: this beautiful thing for them.
1: Exactly. That's
0: not taking into account the the client's needs, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? yeah. And, and that is the yeah. uh, everlasting battle
1: yeah back to the like the, the the ego thing too is like it's really easy to think i'm making this and everybody else is trying to wreck it like yeah, the yeah. agency or the production company or the producers they all they want to wreck my film but they're not they're trying to make it better but they're looking at it from a slightly different point of view than you or they don't have the knowledge like an a client will often be like like I don't like this shot mm-hmm. because it's, it's it's too red and you then you look at it and you're like okay not too red
0: well it's just it's just their their layman's feedback right?
1: exactly and then you go oh you know what it is it's because the music's too loud and you turn the music down and now the shots they're seeing red but they're actually just being bombarded yeah you know it's just those kind of things where you have more emotional
0: reactions so what's well you know just to keep it back to vancouver what what's it like shooting in vancouver do you have any vancouver isms Um, i always like to shove a few of those in there to remind everyone what the city is like
1: i was filming a short film and i had like a crew of like 20 people tops. It was probably more like 15, including the actors and me and everybody. Like tiny little crew with like not a lot of lighting. We didn't have a generator. We had nothing. We just had like bounce boards and stuff, right? And we had this set up and these people were like stop their car and there's like a whole bunch of girls like in the little, like teenage girls who are like, is this Twilight? Are you guys <laughs> filming Twilight? And we're just like, like in our heads we're like do you see trailers do you see like a film crew we're just a bunch of idiots with a camcorder like filming a stupid short film but people
0: get so excited i know and i always joke i'm like i'm i say it time and time again i'm the stalker on the street oh i get so excited i remember once in new york city i was walking alone and they were doing some big thing and i asked the guy oh what is this and he's like oh it's a movie with marlon brando and i was like shut up (laughs) and then i went home and my girlfriend who like lives in long island she's like colbs he's dead and i was like Oh, they're fucking with me. Yeah, that's
1: hilarious. Yeah, but they're just
0: telling everybody: Marlon Brando's in this. Like, fuck yeah. off.
1: Yeah, exactly. Move along,
0: get lost. But you don't want to become that jaded person. No, it's I, I fun. know the film can be jaded, but like,
1: well, that's what I find so funny about it is that it's
0: the people doing it are worn out, and the people walking by are like, yeah. "Oh, I want to do it." Well, you know what? This is
1: what I've realized, and this is kind of comes back to that thing of being happy in the moment. Is that. I had a friend who, she went to the VFS writing course. She went with me to VFS. So she was a uh, director. She took the course with me. And then she went back into the writing course. And then she, now she's writing TV shows and stuff. And I was talking to her and she's, fuck, she busted her fucking ass off. Since, like, since film school, all she has done is worked her ass off. And, and it now, looks easy
0: when you see just, you catch, catch up with her on coffee. Yeah, but she's,
1: she's working now. She's yeah. a writer who wor- writes for television. She gets episodes and stuff. And she's probably going to be a showrunner soon. Like, she's awesome. working her way out, right? But you talked to her and she's like, you work so hard to become this thing in your head, like to follow your dream. And then your dream comes true and it's a job.
0: Mm-hmm. And then you,
1: you forget that, yeah, it's a nine to five or in this situation, probably more like 12 hour days, like these long days. It is. And she's like, I haven't had a real relationship in the last like eight years. I haven't lived. I, I don't even own, like I don't even have a house right now because I've just been moving back from Vancouver and Toronto. Like, so like for me, I'm like, Yeah, I want to direct features and I want to direct commercials and all this stuff. But at the same time, I love that I have a wife and kids I get to see all the time. And like, I'm not, so I know that I'm happy now and I'm making an okay living and I'm going to keep pursuing things, but I'm going to pursue it on my terms. And if it doesn't happen on my terms, then I'm fine.
0: Nick, thank you very much for coming on my podcast. I hope you had a good time.
1: I love it. I love talking.
0: I know you do. I love talking too, but I have to learn to listen more in this role, which is a very good practice for me. It's my spiritual practice. I'm
1: trying to, that's part of my, one of my goals is trying to listen more too.
0: Well, you didn't do it today, but thanks for coming. I'm just kidding. I love you. Thanks for coming.
1: Yeah. And good luck out there.
0: If you need any extras, give me a call. Yeah. Comment. Thanks. Thank you. Listen, I know how many podcasts are out there and I'm new. You don't owe me anything, but I really appreciate you listening. If you want to learn more about my podcast, you can go to com, or you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can also leave me a review on iTunes, subscribe, or share it with someone you love or don't love. Just share it.